Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckman, Senior Pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We would also love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045. We also have Sunday school classes for all ages that begin at 945, and our Spanish service begins at 9 a.m. There are also various other activities and Bible studies that you can be involved in throughout the week, including youth group and children's quizzing. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. We have something for everyone to encounter God with people just like you desiring to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in through our weekly podcast of our services and sermons here at Ray Church the Nazarene. This week, uh, Pastor Chris Rose shares a message out of Psalm 77, talking about how disappointment in life and how that can translate with our relationship with God can move us to a point of a deeper and more intimate relationship with God. So I pray that you are challenged and encouraged in this week's message. Thank you, and God bless. this up in the morning and then at night when the sun went down. Otherwise, we couldn't do anything. It was so hot. But another great thing that is there that I've been to, that I've been blessed to be there, is the Grand Canyon. How many have, have seen or been to the Grand Canyon? Or any canyon outside of the Grand Canyon? Any canyon? Or at the very least seen a photo of the Grand Canyon? So the Grand Canyon, it's considered one of the greatest, so slide two, so it shows another picture. The Grand Canyon is considered one of the greatest natural wonders of our world, of the world today. Millions upon millions of people travel millions of miles every year just to, just to look at it. That's a great canyon. And then walk away. You know, I don't know. But <laughs> um, also get some great Instagram content, right? Instagram, woo, Instagram. I've got an account, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, photos pop up of it everywhere, of this Grand Canyon. Um, it makes the ideal background of every motivational fitness ad. You would see it. People running on it, running beside it, or your la- laptop wallpaper. But the Grand Canyon wasn't always a canyon. At some point in geological history, the Colorado River began to flow. And as it grew on its flow... In its flow, it began to sweep away sediment along its path. And over a large period of time, layer upon layer of limestone and sandstone and shawl were swept away by the rushing water, carving in many places a canyon that is now over a mile deep. Over 277 river miles long and 18 miles wide. It's humongous. I remember visiting. I was very young, so I remember usually photos of it. And I was a little guy. I was like James, like really little. And this thing is enormous compared to me. My dad is six foot two. Being in it, it looks enormous to him too. It doesn't matter how tall, how big you are. This thing is enormous, and it makes you feel very, very tiny. People who have been there say a lot that the photos don't do it justice. They say the words... You just can't describe the sheer enormity of the walls of this canyon and how small you feel when you're you're deep inside the canyon. And one of the things, we all want 
in our spiritual walk is to go deep in our relationship with God. And that's the title for my message today, Deep. We're going to get deep. We want our relationship with him to be more than that surface level at the top. And we have those. We have those surface level relationships. I call them acquaintances. You may talk to people. I mean, you talk to them. You have conversation. It happens. But the acquaintances, it's not really a real personal connection. You know, they're just people that are there. Not really meaningful in a way. We don't want our relationship with God to be that way. We don't want it to be like that. We want our connection with him to be real and personal and meaningful. We want a relationship with God that looks like this. Not like the next picture. But how is a canyon formed? I kind of alluded to it a little bit. A canyon, it's formed over time through erosion. So I'm going to get some science, maybe some social studies on you a little bit. That's all right? A little science? Yeah. Okay. Erosion. So through rushing water, carving away at the rock, and sweeping away loose pieces. So a deep relationship with God is not really any different. It's formed over time through the erosion of our false ideas and our false expectations. Our false ideas of him and our false expectations of the way he works. And the rushing river that does the work is kind of our disappointment with him and our honesty about that disappointment. I'm going to get real with you this morning, if that's okay. There's going to be some things that are said that maybe bring up some bad things. Disappointment. I can say that I've been disappointed with God. It's okay to say that. We have this, this thought that we can't be disappointed with him. I have been, and I haven't understood why he's done things. I want you to think of a time where God, at least at some level, where he kind of let you down, where you felt let down. It may have been you praying very specifically for something and believed to the best of your ability that he was going to do it, but it didn't happen. Or maybe you felt close to him at one point, but you haven't been able to feel that same closeness lately. Maybe you know someone who was really strong in their faith, was on fire for Christ, and now they just kind of walked away and you don't understand. How could God let that happen? Maybe you're reading some things in the Bible that don't seem to match up with what you've always thought God was like. I'm going to be honest. I've disappointed people. I've disappointed my own children. I'm a great man. My wife tells me all the time how great I am, right? And she's not here. Yeah, I'm great, but... I do that. I disappoint again and again. I disappoint my children. I disappoint my parents. I disappoint my wife. I do disappointments. I do disappoint. We can feel that disappointment. Most of us, again, get this idea that expressing disappointment with God, it's wrong. We feel like it's wrong. Like, I'm disappointed in you. Why do this? We get the sense that it's like disrespectful or selfish to say that we feel like God has let us down in some way. And we have these like phrases that we sugarcoat our disappointment. Like, oh, God's got this. Or, God is good all the time. Or like me, like I like to do, be real manly about it and just hold it in. So most of us just learn not to talk about it. But when we do that, we are being selfish. When we're keeping something from allowing God to work on our lives. 
if I feel like something, I need to be able to express that to him. I need to be able to express that disappointment. The Bible is full of people who have expressed their disappointment with God, especially found in the book of Psalms. Today, we're going to look at one specific psalm. We're going to read from Psalm 77. So this writer, his name is Asaph. He digs deep into how he feels God has let him down. So we open your Bibles to Psalm 77. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, NLT, Psalm 77. So we're going to start with verses 1 through 3. Psalm 77. Verses 1 through 3, they say this. I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven. But my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. Those first three verses, we kind of sense Asaph's disappointment. I mean, look at verse 1. What was he doing? He was crying out. He's even shouting out to God. But the second line, what does it tell us from Asaph's perspective? God is not listening to him. So why does Asaph feel God isn't listening? Verse 2 kind of tells us, When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. When I was in deep trouble. So it seems like he has gotten himself into a lot of stuff, a lot of deep trouble. And there's times that I can be safe to say that I've done some wrong things and I get so in deep trouble and I try to blame everybody else for my hardships. I'm disappointed with everybody else because they're not helping me get out of it. How dare they not do everything for me? Asaph, he's praying and reaching out to God, expecting that God would bring him comfort in the form of relief for whatever this, this deep trouble that he's in. It appears that God, even though he knows this trouble and has the power to do something about it, isn't helping. I mean, is God helping? Maybe. Probably. I mean, he is. He is helping. But it's on his time. It's not Asaph's time. Can Asaph sense God's help? He doesn't sense it. So first thing, in getting deep, we've got to be honest. Being honest, that's the first step toward deep. And this is Asaph's reality. This is kind of where he's at, and he's being brutally honest about it. Letting that river start to flow. When I find disappointment, especially with God, voicing it and being honest helps out so much. Kim having, having seizures again. We thought it was over. We thought we were done with it. I'm going to get personal. I'm going to get real this morning. Two years she had gone without a seizure, without medication. Man, we thought God had this. We don't need anything. It's going to be awesome. September 25th of last year, she had a 30-minute long seizure. 30 minutes. It's huge. You think I was disappointed? Absolutely. And Pastor Ben, he was gracious enough. Great man. He showed love, and he came right away. And he said to me, why don't you let God know that? How disappointed you are. <laughs> I didn't think about that, you know. Just shout to him. Just tell him what is on your mind and how disappointed you are in him. Because then what happens when I let it out? 
One, I felt so much better just letting out. But two, it's showing that I need his help. When I'm saying that, when I'm being honest, when we're being honest, we're not keeping it to ourselves anymore. We're not being selfish and thinking that we got this all. That disappointment sometimes is just me thinking, being selfish. But saying that, being honest, that first step to being deep because we voice that. Asaph here is going to be kind of doing a risky thing, verses 4 through 6. So Psalm 77, 4 through 6. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Can't sleep. His nights are full of distress. So what's left to do? Asaph, verse 6. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. He searched his soul. This act of searching your soul is the next step. So first, we've got to be honest. We've got to be honest and say how we're disappointed. What we think is so wrong about our lives. But then we've got to search our soul. And it's not going to be pretty. A lot of it. Or spiritually correct. Or a nice wrapped up bow gift. Right there. Asaph, searching his soul, only ends up. When I search my soul, when I'm disappointed, it just leads to deeper disappointment. It's like we're opening the floodgates to the rushing Colorado River of disappointment. It might get out of control. So if you're like me, I think of one thing, and then another thing follows that, and then another disappointment, another hardship. Kind of like Asaph. And most of us are okay with a little trickle of honesty about our disappointment with God. But then we put a stop to it and say that we think we're supposed to say, but it's all good. Asaph doesn't do that. Verses 7 through 9. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Okay, Asaph, how do you really feel? Like, just get down with it. How do you really feel? How does he really feel? How do we really feel? Rejected and unloved. And this is beyond just feeling not getting listened to. He sums it up in the next verse, verse 10. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. This is honest soul searching. He's trying to figure out exactly what's going to do, how he's going to get deeper in with God, how God is going to work in his life. He has let the waters of disappointment dig and dig and dig down to the depths of how he really feels. He feels that God hasn't just listened, hasn't just not loved, but has actually turned against him. But then when he gets down there in those depths, here's what happens. Verses 11 through 15 in Psalm 77. Now he's going to turn it around. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? 
You're the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. <laughs> okay. So he's flat out blaming everything, questioning, questioning, questioning. And then all of a sudden, but I recall all that you've done, O oh Lord, your wonderful deeds, your mighty works, your great wonders, your strong arm. You redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. A lot of the times, we just got to let it out. And then it all turns around. From that space of honest, real, raw disappointment, Asaph now can look up, see the mighty walls of the canyon. And he does that by looking back and recalling the wonderful deeds, the mighty works, and the great wonders that he knows God has done. He can choose to believe that God's ways are holy, even if those ways don't seem so holy to him right now. Can I go out on a limb and say that maybe it's, Maybe it's Satan's work, thinking that. Like all those disappointments. He's just trying to weed it into our minds and our thoughts and in our humanness and in our desires and sin that we just think that and that disappointment. And if we keep that in, those disappointments and how we feel like people have let us down or God has let us down, that it just eats at us and where it changes our thoughts. Can I be brave in saying that or go out on a limb? If we keep them in there, what's going to happen? He's going to eat away and change our minds and not realize and not get us to feel and remember what God has done. Sometimes we just got to let it out. But now Asaph can choose to believe that God's ways are holy, even those ways don't seem holy to him at that moment. He can remind himself that God has used his awesome power before to show his unfailing love and the commitment to his people, to his followers. Verse 15 says, By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Asaph here is speaking of a, a specific incident where it appeared God was going to disappoint people, but then he came through in a greater way than they could ever have imagined. Makes me think of Exodus. Hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. God rescued his people. But as he led them out of Egypt, it appeared he led them straight into a dead end at the Red Sea. So they were in a desperate situation, up against a body of water, with no boats and with Pharaoh's army chasing right after them. So we can imagine their disappointment. God had made big promises, but then seemed to abandon them right at the last minute. You can imagine what they might have been thinking. What in the world, God? How could you let us down like this? But Asaph recalls, Verses 16 through 20, 16 through 19. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led, led the, through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway... No one knew was there. No one knew was there a pathway. This here was a different type of canyon. But we see what God did. He took the people deep. 
through a canyon in the Red Sea so they could look up at the walls of the water and see his power. He took them deep so they could see who he was. He brought them to a place of deep disappointment where they even doubted his love. But so that they could look up at those walls and see how high and wide and deep his love was for them and for us. God's thoughts and his ways, they are so much higher than ours. So much higher, there's no way we're not going, at some point in our lives, to be disappointed. If he met our every expectation, we might as well be God instead of him. If we got everything we wanted, we wouldn't need him. You will experience disappointment with God. But the question is, what will you do with it? Will you avoid it? Will you ignore it? Will you try to sugarcoat it with all the things you know you're supposed to say and keep your relationship with God at surface level? Or will you be honest? Will you get alone with God and go through that soul-searching process where you allow the rivers of disappointment to do that erosion? to take you to a deeper place with them, to take away all those things that you're holding on to? Will you follow the steps of Asaph laid out for us here in Psalm 77? We've got to be honest. Be honest about the specific way or ways you feel God let you down. You will feel so much better. You've got to search your soul. Search your soul and answer the question, how do I really feel? And your answers may not be spiritually correct. It may even feel selfish. But I promise that God can handle brutal honesty. He can handle it all. He will do that. So we've got to be honest. We've got to search our souls. But then, most important, we have to look up to him by looking back at what he's done. From the depths, look up by looking back at what God has done. What he's doing, what he's going to continue to do. Ask him to wash away any of the false understandings you've had of him and replace them with the solid rock of the truth about who he is. And it may not feel like he's listening, but we know from his word that he always hears us. He's always there. It may not feel like he's helping. It's not the way that we see it. It's not in my time. I want it exactly this way. But we know from scripture, from so many stories in the Bible and from the lives of people around us, that his help often shows up in ways we could never have predicted. His love may seem to be failing, but maybe he's showing you that it's higher and wider and deeper than you ever imagined. This is a process we all go through, that we need to go through. But we don't have to do it alone. There are plenty of people in your lives that are here for us and would love to help us through that situation, to talk and pray through these things with us. I would be lying to you if, you if I told you Christian life, the life is going to be good all the time. I'm not going to lie to you. I need that help. As unmanly as it seems, I need help. But for now, before we pray, I want to take 30 seconds. Just take a moment of silence. 
and just think about and allow God to be able to work in our lives and work in our minds right now to show us that disappointment or that letdown that we've had and a chance to be honest with him. He can handle it. It's going to take a few seconds of silence. God, if we're honest, Father, if we're honest, there are times that we, that we may not feel like you're there or that you're doing any work or that we've been felt left down, let down. If you're really there, if you really love us, help us to find those ways that we need to, to grow closer to you, to find those disappointments, those letdowns, so that we can be honest with those so we can voice that, so you can work on us, Father. It's a continued process, it's a growing process. If we stay in that insignificance, in that what we feel insignificant, we feel disappointed, we feel let down, if we stay there, we're not living in your design. We're not living in the way that you call us to, Father. Give us the courage we need to get real. Do some real soul searching, Father. If there are things that you have planned for us, I can feel it. This church can feel it. We can feel that you have plans, that you have things stirring in us for this new year that we need to be able to say yes to. But first, we gotta do some soul searching. I'm first on that list. I need to do some soul searching, Father, to know what you have for me. I need to be honest with you. I need to look up by looking back at all the great things, having those milestones and those markers that you've done in our lives, in my life. Help us, Father, to approach you in a way that we know you can do all those mighty works. You have great works ahead. Work on us, Father. Rest all in Jesus' name.